Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Nerds on the Black. I'm Zach Gifford, uh, joined today um, by Eno Sars of the Athletic MLB, um, formerly of Fangraphs, where I where I first had the pleasure of of reading his content. Um, subsequently, switched over. Uh, Eno, how's uh, the Wednesday evening treating you so far? I have to tell you, it's a little bizarre here in Northern California. We've got uh, orange skies all day. Uh, can't go anywhere. Can't run outside. Can't go outside. Uh, don't know what time of day it is. Uh, so it really feels like end times. But at least uh, we've got the uh, the high-end production quality uh, of the <laughs> intro there. I was pretty impressed with that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so far so good. We'll see. We'll see how long it takes to break. Uh, what's up, Grant? <laughs> Thanks for joining tonight. Um, yeah, I've heard it's uh, crazy out in California. So obviously, we see the news. I have a friend that's living uh, in the Bay Area that said, you know, what they're luckily safe. I hope same for you. And I, I know it's been a crazy, um, crazy few weeks out there. But uh, so at least seems like you know so far so good um we're doing all right one one family member lost uh their house in the fires today that we learned so that wasn't fun but uh but uh we got them a place to stay and um you know that's uh the new reality out here actually it's a it's kind of a season now there's fire season yeah and uh fitting that you know 2020 brings another another wrench to, to kind of life as normal. Mm-hmm. Hoping, hoping that when we switch, flip the calendar over from December to January again, that we'll, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll get to <laughs> just leave some of that behind, but, uh, we'll see, yeah. we'll see where it goes. So thanks him for joining. Um, for those of you who are Cardinal specific that maybe haven't seen, you know, as much, uh, formerly at Fangraphs, uh, where I think he was one of the best pitching experts. Um, I definitely ever read, um, now, uh, national nationwide, uh, MLB coverage for the athletic. There's a lot of fantasy. Um, any questions you guys have, feel free to drop that in the chat. He's, um, a great fantasy guru. Um, other than that, we'll, we'll talk Cardinals. We'll talk some ex Cardinals, um, a little bit in there that probably, uh, still stings a little bit. Um, but I think we'll start, uh, with something where you teamed up recently with the Mark Saxon of the athletic St. Louis, uh, covering kind of just the state of the Cardinals outfield, you know, a couple of days ago um, we saw uh, Dylan Carlson got demoted. It had been a struggle for him in the first few weeks in the majors. Uh, you know, Tyler O'Neill um, was, you know, the team was hoping he would kind of replace Ozuna's production uh, so far. That hasn't happened. Lane Thomas was another guy they're high on. He missed some time with COVID Dexter Fowler. Now he's out with, um, I forget exactly what it what the deal is there, but it's a I think a GI medication that can impact his um, his immunity or his immune system. And then Harrison Bader is kind of the only guy where you know he maybe um, at least from some people's perspective he's over he's at least performed at expectations. Um, so I, don't, I at this point you know you're you're scraping kind of thin. You went in with there there was some depth. I don't know that all the depth was good depth. Um, but now you're down to you know a handful of guys, uh, and I think it's about 25 games in the next 20 days. Uh, what do you make of kind of the struggles they've had out there, and where you know where they go from here? Uh, oh yeah, what's up, St. Louis Cup of Joe? Uh, no, you know one thing that uh, is is really weird for me um, 
is thinking about like all the guys they've traded away over the years too. Like just seeing like Randy Rosarena like come up and just hit the ball so hard uh, and hit like three or four homers in his first two games and thinking of like Tommy Pham and all the guys that they traded away. And these are the guys they kept. Um, and so far it hasn't worked out, but I would, uh, I would have a word of caution about Dylan Carlson. Like I, I think that was just kind of, uh, getting his feet wet. Uh, I don't think that the league had figured something out because uh, for one thing that came up in the research, we were looking at how awful the Cardinals have been against sliders and how they see fewer fastballs than anybody else in the league. And Carlson was like at the bottom of the list and he kind of came on the scene and immediately just got fed breaking ball after breaking ball. But, you know, in doing this, like Mark talked to, to, to Carlson about it. And Carlson was like, yeah, that's been the book on me since double A, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, maybe they have better command of their, of their breaking stuff here in the big leagues. But like, you know, I've been seeing tons of breakers forever. So, uh, and he hit, he hit one uh, slider for a homer and uh, you know, I don't think he looked uh, severely overmatched. So, you know, sending him down looked a little bit uh, surprising to me. Um, but maybe you could see it as a vote of confidence for Tyler O'Neill because I like Tyler O'Neill. He's like a stat cast kind of athletes, athlete, athletic god in terms of like throwing the ball hard. He came up on this query that I did around with Ramon Lariano where uh, he's one of like maybe 10 players in the big leagues that can throw the ball, um, run, and hit the ball in the top 15%. So you're talking yeah. about a guy uh, who had one obvious flaw, and I think to some extent he's shown some signs that he's – correcting that flaw you know what i mean like he's yeah. his, swing, his swing metrics are totally different he looks like a totally different person at the plate yeah and i, mean, I know thing, that it hasn't really uh, turned into results yet but i yeah you believe in tyler o'neill right yeah i mean i early on in the year you know it, you don't want to read into things too quickly and obviously in the season it's tough to read into a whole lot um kind of looking longer term but early on in the year you know you saw there was a pop in the in the contact rate his strikeout rate was down. All those things have kind of stayed true. Um, his reach rates, I know reach rates, a stat you love for hitters. Um, it's down from 34%, which was pretty well above league average in terms of swinging at pitches outside the zone uh, to 21% through, I think through Monday. Um, I didn't refresh it for their games yesterday, uh, but that, like that's a good sign. The contact rate, he used to be um, what I, called in my notes the jorge alfaro and jeff samarja territory where when he swung uh or his swinging strike rate was about 20 percent, so he was whiffing uh at about one out of every five pitches he sees which isn't good when um you know joey gallo i don't even think whiffs it his is closer probably to high teens i guess it's it's a lot but you know when joey gallo hits the ball the ball uh the, the ball leaves with a bruise um tyler O'Neill has that potential but he hasn't uh hasn't tapped into it yet, but it's good to see the, the whiff rates down his contact rate. So when he, he does make contact, when he swings now, he's up to 70% versus 60% last year. Um, it's, you know, it's a big step for him. I think if he's going to, you, you know, the, the signs are there. And then a lot of it right now so far, at least it looks like is probably um, some bad BAPIP luck. Although um, if you believe the, the stat cast expected batting average, um, you know, they, they, think he deserves most of that but we know that he has the ability to hit the ball hard I don't think if he continues making contact I think it would be silly 
to point at his expected batting average right now and say that that's the baseline. If he makes contact, the contact quality is going to improve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with Bader's defense, um, whether or not you believe in the power as it is now, um, it's, it's really weird uh, for the second year in a row, his exit velocity is, and his barrel rates don't seem like they belong to the same player. Um, he has, yeah. you know, above average barrel rates, which means he hits the ball hard when he hits it in the air. Uh, but his like sort of average EV and hard hit rates are leave you cold. Um, and there is a certain skill, I think, to when you hit the ball, hitting the ball in the air hard. You know, I think like when you hit the ball hard, hit it in the air. I think that's kind of what he does. Um, so I still think that we haven't we haven't quite figured out what Vader's true talent is. But with the defense, I think he's at least a league average player. So you've got a league average center fielder. You've got uh, an athlete in the corner uh, that, you know, is figuring out his approach to plate and still has a lot of potential. And then you have this like open place that where Dylan Carlson should fit. <laughs> yeah. Where, where we were hoping uh, that you would just kind of plug him in and leave it there. Uh, with yeah, Harrison Bader, one Tommy, thing that Tommy Edmond is going to play out there. Uh, well, he's done. Okay. I I've been surprised. Um, I don't know if that's, I would assume he's going to get a decent amount of time. Um, it doesn't seem like they've totally bought into as much as they, they kind of tout the Lane Thomas experiment. I don't know that based on the playing time we've seen that they've totally bought it um, themselves. So yeah, I bet we see a lot of Tommy Edmond. Um, you know, I, I think that means we're probably still going to see a lot of Matt Carpenter uh, for better or worse, um, probably yeah. for worse at this point in his career. <laughs> um, but hopefully, you know, he can turn around. He still gets on base a lot. I, I mean, he, it, it, it's amazing to me that, you know, he's the, the contact, the, you know, ability to make good contact with him has kind of been sapped, but he's still walking this year. It's like 15% of the time, which walks are up everywhere. Carpenter. Uh, Carpenter. Yeah. And yeah. so that's been uh that's been at least, you know, a positive sign, you know, if he's going to be in the order, even if he's going to hit 180, if he still runs a 320 OBP, it's at least something. Um, it's something that Joey Votto always said was, you know, we know for certain that contact outside the zone ages really terribly, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fashion my whole career around the stuff that ages well, and yeah. the the thing that ages the best is play discipline, um, yeah. and that's instructive when you're talking about uh, a young guy and whether or not you want to sign him for a, a really long uh, time, or uh, even a Matt Carpenter, like he's gonna give you some value at the very end just by taking walks. Even Joey Votto at this point is still kind of a league average hitter and all he can really do at this point is take walks and, you know, pop yeah, the occasional. It's uh, Joey Votto's kind of, I, I think the, the ability left him a lot quicker than I ever expected it to um, <laughs> speak. So back to the plate discipline point. So we think a lot of times about retrate, we think about, you know, how often are guys swinging it strikes in the zone. Um, one of the things that back to Harrison Bader that I looked at, um, you know, over the off season was that he got super passive at balls uh, kind of in the heart of the plate. Um, yeah. I read that piece. Yeah. For last year. And this year so far he's, he's gotten better. So there's uh, I ran a search on or a query on baseball savant. He is up now. He's down. He's only 58% of pitches in the heart zone. Um, basically think middle, middle, extend that a little bit. Um, 58% last year, he's up to 73% this year. And it's been consistent now for the last, um, for the last couple of weeks. Um, 
here's just kind of an example of what we're talking about. So these are four pitches. I, I don't know, like, you know, these weren't picked out. They're picked for location. Um, but this is kind of what the zone that we're thinking about it is, you know, right in there. Last year, he only swung at 58% of those pitches. Those are the ones that hitters do the most damage on. Harrison mm-hmm. Bader's not any different. Um, so it's a good sign for him uh, that he's picked that up. And he's actually the largest, um, I'm going to call him a heart swing riser or heart swing gainer, I guess, Raider gainer typo there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I guess, you know, he's uh, rhyming the Raider with uh, Florida Gators, I guess, maybe. We'll go with that. Sure. All right. um, Harrison Bader from University of Florida. Uh, but so eight, this year, eight of his 13 hits have come in pitches on in the zone. That's given him seven extra base hits in both of his home runs. Um, again, largest increase from year to year in the majors through Monday. There's a couple other interesting guys um, kind of looking through this list. So uh, Brian Anderson's up 13%. I don't think he's had the offensive uh, production to show it. Same with Stephen Piscotty. But then you get Rowdy Telez, who's, I think, you know, sort of in the middle of a breakout year. Um, and then Heimer Candelario is the next guy. Both of those two have increased their heart swing um, by 10%, both of them from about 67 and a half to 77 and a half. Um, I don't know if those are guys that I, I don't play fantasy baseball, so I highly doubt that these guys are super, super likely. But if you're trying to believe in a breakout and, you know, see if they're going to stay hot, picking guys who are swinging at the right pitches is a good way Um yeah, I had I had Rowdy picked as a as a preseason favorite because of the quality of his his balls in, in play. Um, he's a he's like got the second best uh, max exit velocity in baseball, I think, and uh, he uh, he can barrel the ball. And I just thought maybe a little gain in plate discipline would go a long way. But I think that you bring up an excellent point because it's not just you know a lot of times people say um, you know when you look at like for example when you look at swing rate, yeah, taking more pitches is correlated to uh, to like woba it's like is correlated to better success but it's also co- correlated to more strikeouts you know it's like more walks more strikeouts and more power and you know of course the league is kind of trending towards that but it doesn't mean that it's the same for every player um, and I'm not I'm not at all insinuating that Jeff Alpert has that approach that he's telling everybody not to swing or to swing or whatever like you know but it is a, a thing that's been shown that um, that the biggest way, the biggest impact that a hitting coach can have is on swing rates. And that basically, um, you know, this was a piece, I think it was by Pizza Cutter, uh, Russell Carlton on Baseball Perspective, that basically said that the biggest impact that a, a hitting coach has on basically is just swing percentage. That's like, <laughs> you have your guys that are like, be aggressive and go and get your ball, hunt your ball. Uh, and you have other guys that are like, you know, you know, wait for your ball. Yeah. Um, Looking at the last couple of years, the Cardinals have been bottom 10 uh, in team swing rate, but nothing huge. Um, well, you know, what would that be if that is true? What would, what would, that, what would, I think that's something that that would be um, vulnerable to, that approach would be sliders in the zone. Yeah. Because you would, with a more passive approach, you see breaker and you don't swing, right? And uh, the one thing that's, that this league is all about right now is sliders in the zone. Yeah, you and that's, that's one thing I, I talked about uh, with Bader. You know, we've talked about it with Carpenter. Carpenter struggles to hit um, off speed at all, whether it's in the zone or out of the zone. It's, he's uh, just kind of a dead red guy. 
Um, but with Bader, he actually hits sliders in the zone pretty well when he swings. It's just I, I think there's a little bit of hesitancy with him when he sees slider as to whether to pull, you know, whether to pull the trigger or not because he does struggle so much at the recognition of when it's going to end up in the zone and when it's going to dive out. Yeah. Um, but I, but to your point, like I, any pitch, a swing at any pitch in the zone is usually a good thing for a hitter. Yeah. Right, so that's a generally a good idea. I mean, that was what Jed Lowry preached when he was out here in Oakland, and he did a really good job actually spreading the gospel to the other players as much as the hitting coach did, where you saw Matt Chapman and Matt Olson take really big steps forward, and even Chris Davis, to some extent, took really big steps forward when they were on the team with Jed Lowry because all Jed Lowry preached to everybody was zone control. He was like, you know, swing at the pitches that are strikes and don't swing the pitches that are not. It's a simple thing. I don't see that the Cardinals have a problem with that in general. Um, but I do think it's interesting that for the last two years, they've seen fewer fastballs than anybody else. And if that does correlate, like if that does go hand in glove with the fact that they don't swing, like we could be getting somewhere closer to kind of understanding why I think the Cardinals have underperformed offensively, you know, even given their park and even given you know, personnel changes and stuff like that. I mean, does are, are, are we crazy or am I crazy? You, no, you I, I, well? I, I mean, I think that could be a lot of it. Cause they definitely, I mean, this year it's, they've seen a crazy amount, the whole team. I mean, we, we talked about Carlson, but Bader's seen a lot. Carpenter's seen a lot. O'Neill's seen a lot. Um, Brad Miller's another guy that's seen a lot of, a lot of breaking balls. Um, and it's, it's getting to a point where it's, you know, you compare the pitchers they're seeing to like kind of the do sort of with or without, you know, what do they throw against the Cardinals? What do they throw against everybody else? And, and there's a big gap. So it's pretty yeah. at least clear. I think that they're coming in to the Cardinals with the intention of doing something different. Uh, and so, you know, if, if that's, maybe it is, you know, that you, we know they're not going to swing. I think, you know, there is, I think uh, on the team, at least it seems like I haven't, I haven't looked at this, but it seems like there's a real, hesitancy to pull the trigger early in the count if you want to get ahead and you want to kind of be safe you know that we're probably not hunting an early you know an 00 pitch or a 10 pitch we're probably looking to take you throw a spinner you're you make them even more likely to take and that gets you ahead in the count gets you back in the count and as long as got is and we're seeing pitchers more and more like you said be able to throw those breaking balls in the zone um it's definitely it seems like um the cardinals are the league's guinea pig maybe for for some yeah. that use yeah, it. You know, the, uh, and, you know, sometimes it just takes uh, like a refresh, uh, like an off season. It doesn't even have to necessarily be a different voice. It can be just an off season where uh, everyone comes back and, and um, attacks the problem on their own and then comes back in the spring and, you know, they have a team meeting about it and, you know, uh, you know, kind of toggle their strategy a little bit. You know, nobody's uh, job necessarily needs to be on the line. Um, they're, they're a good team. You know, but they're a, they're a team that's that's hard for me to figure out in a lot of different ways. Like you and everyone else. You know, like one of the things I don't get is um, I, I don't uh, hear a lot of great things about their sort of pitching development program in terms of um, using the uh, uh, highest end, like using the highest end technology and data um, in some of the ways that other teams do. Um, and uh, and yet they turn out like like league average type pitchers all the time, you know, like, yeah. they, you know, but Jack Flaherty, you know, they almost, they're almost like the Indians in a way, like they turn out their, their, their Adam Plutko's and Josh Tomlin's. Um, and then every once in a while, one of them turns into Jack Flaherty, Shane Bieber. Like they, they they're yeah. like, they have something going on, but at the same time, like, 
I've always thought like Dakota Hudson, like where's your third pitch? And like Daniel Ponce de Leon, like where's your command? And like, like I've always like looked at these pitchers and be like, are they any good? Well, one of the, you mentioned Hudson. I talked about this with Kyle, Kyle Reese last week. He's our big prospect guy. Obviously watches a ton of Cardinals. Um, But when Hudson was coming up through the minors, he threw like, he threw, I pitch classifications are challenging, Um, Mm -hmm. but Kyle at least had him throwing a cutter, a slider, and a curve, basically ranging from low 90s with the cutter at the high end down to about 80 with the curveball. Um, we didn't see that a lot, uh, especially when he um, when he you know turned became a starter for you know full time uh, last year. We really didn't see those breaking balls much at all. But when he did use them, they were effective. So I was looking at um, just like whiffs per swing, which is you know not um, ignores a lot of other things that make a slider effective. Um, you know, if a guy doesn't swing, if he can't throw it in the zone, all that stuff. Ignoring all that, when he get when he did induce hitters to swing, he had a forty percent or more or higher whiff rate on both the slider or the cutter, so like the hard breaker, so the one that's about ninety, and the curveball, the one that's about eighty to 82 um he just didn't throw them and in, in his scouting reports and his draft reports there was always talk that his mlb.com draft report said the the breaking balls might be his best pitch um mm-hmm. so it's straight I, I remember hearing uh kind of anecdotally that the cardinals were trying to have him go to the sinker to get quicker outs mm-hmm. uh, when he was at the years, but it just kind of seemed like that kind of carried um and carried throughout last year and this year he's starting to throw the slider better the strikeout rates up he's still um i i don't know if you follow alex fast but he has uh it's called strikes plus swinging strikes mm-hmm. dakota Hudson's still terrible at that you know looking at that metric i think he's still pretty bad if you're looking at something like sierra um or maybe xfit but he he's at least you know started to change the strikeouts are a little up the walks are a little down maybe there's something there i, um, I i'm con- i'm considering that i that i missed on on him uh, because the, like I said, you're right. Like the third curve, the third ball, the third pitch seems to be the curve ball. He's up that to 20%. Um, you know, I've got a, uh, quality of stuff, uh, metric that I've worked on with Ethan Moore. We, we revamped it for this week. Um, and it's, uh, new and improved. Um, and that has him a basically league average with the stuff, uh, in terms of command, um, you know, uh, probably I, not great. No, but my spreadsheet is crashing. That's great. Good timing. Um, but anyway, we, um, we can summarize the command. I think with yeah, uh, not correct. And, and I, I think that is a, a bit of an issue um, with some of their guys. As uh, Ponce uh, has a bit of a problem with that too. Um, but one thing I wanted to check real quick is their sinker rate because it does seem like they're into sinkers. Uh, not as much as they used to be, but and they're twenty third uh, by pitch info, so maybe maybe that's not the issue. But uh, yeah, I mean he's a sinker guy, um, and uh, the league is kind of going away from sinkers generally. So sometimes like decisions they make with their starting pitchers seem a little strange. But I, I'm willing to say that I was a little bit wrong on Dakota Hudson because right now he's probably their second best pitcher. You know, their second best starting pitcher and. Um, and you can't say that they can't develop uh, elite pitching because Jack Flaherty is an elite pitcher. So um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, what, behind them, you know, it gets a little dicey. Uh, is Ponce even healthy or is he, is he around? 
Uh, he's around. He threw, I believe he started the second game against the Twins yesterday. I don't think he went very far. Uh, I can pull up that box score quick. Um, he, his issue and But even uh, a guy that I like. Graham, the controls aren't been yeah. that bad. He's He has been all over, but it just seems like he doesn't have anything that can get a guy to totally miss. He has a lot, a lot of pitches that will get a foul ball. Uh, but then it's like how many mm. strikes, you know, like we saw. Um, I don't know if you saw the Matt Weeders at bat. But Ponce can't throw 19 strikes in a row to get Weeders out after all those foul balls. Um, he, it's you just, know, Tyler Molly had that problem in the Cincinnati where if you don't have an out pitch, it, your command and stuff numbers might look nor- might look good, but you still need that out pitch. Look at Jack Flaherty. Like, he may not score that well on command or, or even stuff and doesn't have a wide arsenal, but he has a damn good out pitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. So he so, threw uh, – Yesterday, he, he went three innings. It took 63 pitches, um, four strikeouts, five hits, only one walk, which is positive. But again, um, you know, anytime you're throwing 63 pitches in three innings, you're probably into some long counts, which against the Twins, sort of maybe understandable. They're obviously tough to get it. They're a good offensive team. I don't know that they're necessarily right. tough to strike out, but it is um, for a guy who isn't feeling – uh, or doesn't feel like he's on top of his game, uh, going to be a tough um, lineup to face. We have one question. Uh, any explanation on why Ozuna went back to his old self after leaving St. Louis approach or coaching? Um, I was a big Ozuna guy while he was in St. Louis. He's just, you know, I think when you're looking at the kind of the stat cast numbers, he's a he's an anomaly in that the stat cast numbers love him. X-Woba, he hits the ball hard. He has a you know, elite hard hit rate most years. Um, barrel rates always towards the top of the league. But then, you know, with the Cardinals, it was like he is 15% above average both years. He's had one season uh, in Miami 2017 when he kind of really took a, took a leap. And the rest of the time he's been good, not great. Um, I haven't watched him as much this year. I, I looked a little bit of a week or two ago, and it at least seems like maybe the front shoulder staying in a little bit longer um, so I, I talked over the off season. It seemed like because of his front shoulder flying out, um, so kind of like violently, any balls that he didn't dead pull were probably getting more side spin than you know an average fly ball. So traveling a little less, um, little less distance, maybe you get a little less of the velocity behind the ball as opposed to kind of taking it to the side. I, I don't have anything to prove that out, um, but kind of anecdotally, it seems like it makes sense. Um, and, and I think just looking at him, maybe staying in a little bit longer. But, again, it, he had hot streaks in St. Louis, too. It was just the overall product mm-hmm. um, at, by the end of the season wasn't there. He'd go through enormous slumps um, that would kind of, you know, chop off the three or four weeks where he ran a 200, well, uh, WRC+. plus. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything. He's been – for people that did draft him in fantasy, he's probably been a, been a boon uh, compared to what they expected. Yeah, uh, I don't see any like major changes in the swing metrics. So it would be something mechanical or kind of on the minute level approach wise in terms of which counts or which particular pitches he's looking for. Um, but uh, I also think that, you know, it's it's possible that the like something like WRC plus um, does not have St. Louis nailed in terms of correctly uh, um, accounting for how difficult it is to hit there. Um, by all of the, the stuff I've looked at for like trying to create a stat cast, a park factor, uh, St. St. Louis was closer to San Francisco than I think people realize. 
Um, yeah, it, it does kind of seem like hardest place um, to hit for sure. It does seem a little bit like in right field, right center, that thing, you know, the ball seems to die there. I don't know if that's kind of the, one of the areas you've had trouble with. Um, well, that's the one thing that I really want to do with, with StatCast is, and I've, and I've tried a couple different ways and we have some stuff that's out there, but you can create, like, I think theoretically you could create sort of a blue-red hot-cold zone against the outfield wall. And like Leander Alonso asked that for, from me, you know, he wanted that from me and he thought that would be super useful for a hitter. Um, because you imagine like if you could look at the outfield as like a, a hot, a heat map and just be like, Oh, balls do better there than here. And if you put everything in except for wind, basically you're doing like a wind heat map. You know what I'm saying? You're yeah. like showing them where the wind alleys are, uh, because you can account for, uh, you can account for temperature and humidity, um, and you can put that all into like a, with the exit velocity and launch angle and, and, and teams have batted ball spin. We don't, but teams have it. So if you throw all that in, you could create like basically a wall map for every, every place and be like, Oh, you know what? I normally kind of go right center, but I'm going to pull a little bit harder here because this place kills right center. You know what I mean? You yeah. especially want it for your home park. That's when, when Yonder went to Cleveland, he was like, can you do that for me? And I was like, I'm trying, man. But if I don't have batted <laughs> ball spin in here, you know, once you put batted ball spin in, it gets a lot better. You know, batted ball yeah. spin is the one thing that we don't have in the public. And I know I've seen you kind of write about it a little bit with like sort of uh, you, you wrote something about uh, somebody's slicing. Yeah. Ozuna. Off the, that was yeah, there was you. Was, was, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like it's totally true that like you can slice if you slice it like you're, you're going to rob distance. I, um, I watch my and, golf uh, shots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, but, we, but they won't give that to us for some reason. I, I have some hope for Hawkeye because Hawkeye will directly measure more of that spin stuff, but yeah, definitely not in the first year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of Hawkeye because we saw um, they kind of demoed the little stick figures uh, running around on the field um, a few weeks ago. I know uh, Andrew Perpetua, who I think you've worked with in the past quite mm -hmm. a bit, uh, you know, I think that's something that he would be into, you know, that he's, oh, been, yeah. I think, trying to do it himself a little bit, um, which he's, you know, he was amazing for me getting started just to give him a little shout out here. He's, he's fantastic. Um, yeah. Super acceptable. He's a great just, guy. Yeah. We'll talk about anything. Is really smart. Has done a lot of work. Worked yeah. for the Mets for a year. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I, there's another a cool little thing called a pitch AI, which um, is like basically a thing you can have on your phone. And you can just basically record uh, someone pitching, and it'll reduce them to angles and lines, just like uh, Hawkeye will. Yeah. Um, and then you can use that to say certain things about, like you know, shoulder subluxation, and you know, like basically where body parts should be. You know, correlate body part movements with velocity and stuff like that. So you know, places like Driveline are doing that, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, that's what I wonder. I wonder like how much of that the Cardinals are doing. You know? Um, and, and one thing that I, I think if you, you put this on the rundown, I don't mean to, uh, to, to cut anything off of the knees. One thing I did want to mention, Austin Gomber, that's my guy for next up. And he has the same flaw maybe as Ponce in terms of the command issue. Uh, but I do think he has an out pitch and, uh, I would love to see him get a chance. Um, and, uh, He's got some interesting movement on his pitches, and that's that's all I'm looking for, really. Yeah, I mean, segueing into that, so um, I think this is the last Cardinals off day of the season. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you guys are going to be like 30 it's, and 25 or something. <laughs> it's September 9th and there are no more off days. And there are, I, I think, four more doubleheaders. I think we got one of the five out of the way yesterday. But that's assuming no more rainouts, which um, probably, you know, there, there's always a risk. Uh, so Kim is out for what I saw is an undetermined amount of time uh, for what was called a kidney infarction. Uh, infarction oh. is a blockage. So I think it's probably a kidney stone. Um, I luckily have never had a kidney stone. I imagine they're super painful. I've heard. Um, I don't think he'll be gone for too long for that though. You just have to, you're just basically taking these drugs to like kind of make it smaller and then you pee it out and then you're back to business. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I guess hopefully we, then he gets back. Uh, maybe he can be, you know, add some reinforcements and, you know, next couple of weeks again. Um, but, you know, like we said, Ponce has been a disaster. Uh, Martinez, Carlos Martinez uh, had uh, had COVID. Um, he was the last player to kind of disclose that. His velo looked, looked better last time out. Yep, his, his velocity looked better. I think, you know, depending on how you want to look at that start, you could take two things away from it. The velocity looked good. The breakers looked good. Um, and then, you know, he there's a line drive off of DeYoung uh, that, you know, some people thought, you know, you should have caught, turned a double play, you're out of the inning. Uh, and then Josh Donaldson hit a front door slider at his knees out to left field. Um, you know, good hitters will do that sometimes. Josh Donaldson. Uh but so we're assuming probably that they need six starters. Austin Gomber's getting a start in one of the doubleheader games tomorrow. Um, so maybe he's one of the guys stepping in. But there's really only three guys, I think, with a set spot, and that's Flaherty, Wainwright, and Hudson. You like Gomber getting a chance. Um, other than that, I mean, I think you're looking at Oviedo, who's been, you know, it's a good story. He came straight up from double A. He's, he's gotten by, he's but he's not his peripherals, right? Yeah. And he's and totally outperforming he, his peripherals. Yeah. And I think he's probably at this point, just outperforming where he is as a pitcher. He, you know, he, he'd only been to double A for a little bit. You, yeah, you right. know, learning how to get advanced hitters out, um, take some time. And, you know, he's gotten by so far and that it obviously has been welcome. Uh, but I think there's a regression monster coming after him. Uh, and then you got on sequence for, I don't know what they're going to do um, to eat the innings. And we've already seen quite a, quite a few starts from these guys where, you know, the guy who goes out in the first only gets three innings. Um, there was a little bit of a 40 man jam uh, with the COVID where they had to get rid of, I think some of the kind of back end garbage time relievers that, you know, cuts into a little bit of what you can do flexibility wise uh, in some of those, some of the games that get out of hand, you might be using have to use a guy that you'd rather use in a close game. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I hope they can pull through. Um, with Gomber, you know, I, I'll let you kind of take over on what you think makes him makes him a guy. I like the curveball. I think he added a little bit of a slider last year to kind of play off of that, which uh, or two years ago, I guess, um, which which I liked at the time. I I hope he can kind of keep them both going. Um, but yeah, the one thing he, I think he has over Ponce is the curveballs and out pitch. Yeah, and uh, I think his fastballs uh, interesting too. Um, the difference in vertical movement between his fastball and his curveball is like 22 inches, which is uh, really really up there. Um, so if you've got a riding fastball, you can you can pitch up in the zone, um, and then you can drop that slider in off of it in the zone or out of the zone, and then you can put the curveball on the ground basically so he's kind of just the modern pitcher like what we're finding like in this piece that 
a research that we did with Ethan Moore for this new quality of stuff uh, metric. One of the, when he did uh, feature selection, when he kind of looked through the different features of pitches that do well, um, fastball vertical movement beat velocity hmm. um, in in his uh, decision in his like decision tree model. So like, I think that uh, if you see that, you see definitely there are teams that like the Rays that are uh, selecting like hell for fastball uh, ride. Rich Hill's a guy with big um, rise, right? And he throws. Yeah, and especially the difference difference between. And also, like, one thing that you can see from inside, like, when you just look at a a guy who has, like, 10 inches of ride and then a 10-inch curveball that drops, most likely they're doing a lot of spin mirroring, which is one thing that Rich Hill does really well, which is basically they're being very true on their fastball and getting that ride, and then they're being very they're they're found a way to be very true on their curveball too. And then what you're having as a hitter is all you can see is the spin is like this or like this. You can see that it's vertical, but you can't see which way it's going. Yeah, um, there's, a, I, there's a good YouTube video um, of a ball with pure backspin and pure topspin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they start it out. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it on here. Um, no, for sure I won't. Um, but you, you know, once the ball's spinning fast enough, you can't, you can't really tell the difference, and that's where hitters are usually looking for a point on a seam. Maybe they're looking for a horseshoe or something like that. Uh, when I hit in high school, I couldn't really see the ball well enough to notice anything. Um, yeah, but the one thing that, that that major leaguers select for is vision. Uh, yeah. You know, the major leaguers see better than than the, than the general population. It's one of the I, one of the I things. Had, I think one of the things that separates you from other athletes too. Yeah, I. Uh, Vision, uh, so well, naturally selected me out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. By the time I got through high school, I'd I'd about in I was an outfielder, and uh, I think it was the summer uh, summer ball between my sophomore and junior year uh, was kind of when I think it went the the tipping point, and I couldn't see the ball from the outfield, so it'd go up, and I'd be uh, lost, which is a bad bad feeling. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so keeping with the, with the pitchers, uh, we're talking about the Cardinals desperately needing a guy. Uh, and again, like we mentioned with the outfielders, there are some guys that they used to have, um, Sandy Alcantara has a 3.78 ERA this year, uh, after putting together 3.88 ERA last year, uh, Zach Gallon is the guy that I want to talk the most about, I think. Uh, so he's strung together something like uh, was it? Did he get up to twenty-five starts where he had, you know, he gave up three runs or less in each start to con- um, consecutive starts to begin his career? Um, this year, his ERA is two point two nine. Strikeout rate's been around twenty-eight percent this year and last. Uh, walk rate is down this year. You talked about missing um, on Dakota Hudson. Zach Gallon wasn't rated well um, when he was traded. I, I Kyle liked him as a guy, you know, that might be. Kyle Reese, our, our prospect guru, liked him as a guy that I think at the time was kind of rotation depth, sort of. Um, but nobody saw this coming. So, uh, you know, what did we miss? Yeah. Well, I think uh, there's a few things that I that come to mind because um, I think that Sandy um, is, is just like uh, acceptable damage, right? Like you're trying to get a, a, a heart of the order type hitter. And you're trying to get a difference hitter. And as a team, you're really good at turning out okay pitchers. You're really good at turning out okay hitters. But you really need a, a three hitter. So you you try and go get him. You can trade Sandy Alcantara for that. That's okay. And the Marlins traded Gallon away too. So like, and they did it for for Jazz Chisholm. So like, they did it for the chance. 
at a, at a middle-of-the-order hitter. Not even a real one, just a chance at one. So two people missed on him. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate on the Cardinals too much. I think Sandy is the kind of guy um, who will be good when his fastball is really good. Um, but I don't see the secondary stuff and the command for him to be good like forever. Uh, yeah. But now that I see Gallon, I do think he'll be good forever. <laughs> um, there's something about him like he 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 pops uh, on really short lists that I've got like uh, people that have command and stuff that are 10% better than league average. Um, he basically looks like a Zach Greinke clone, uh, right to me now. He's got the power change like Greinke. Uh, he's got two breaking balls. Uh, he's now at 90, 93, 94. That's part that people missed. I think he wasn't at that velocity when he was with the Cardinals. Um, okay. And even with the Marlins, people didn't think he could get up to 93, 94. They thought he was like a command and control uh, yeah. bucket, you know, like lots of pitches, but not really that great. Uh, but getting him up to 93, 94 was big. And I, I think, I don't know who developed this power change. I don't know uh, if the Cardinals didn't develop that power change, then I think it's fair to wonder if what they think of the power change, because I don't think I've seen a power change really. Who, who throws a power change? Is, is, is Carlos Martinez's a part of power change? No, his is, he's More got a, a pretty change, big, right? yeah, he's got a pretty big velocity gap on his, I think it's, yeah, I think he gets like, it pretty well low into the eighties most of the time. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, uh, power changes are really good solution for someone who throws really good breakups, breaking balls, uh, but can't can't find the feel for a changeup. You just basically find a grip that gives them a lot of movement, and you say throw the heck out of it, like everything else, you know, um, yeah. and don't worry about the velocity gap anymore. So, I do wonder if they missed on the power change. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the D backs were like, "Hey, we saw a really great power change, and we think that yours looks like a great power change. Why don't you throw that thing more?" And then he, that was like the final piece that put it all together. Because if you look yeah. at him now, like the power change kind of is his out pitch. The breaking balls are good because he has good command. And he's the whole thing is better because he's 94. So there's a lot of reasons if somebody could have missed on him. But now that I see him, he's like a guy that I, I would build around. Like I would have traded Jazz Chisholm for him in a second. So I'm going to add one more thing to that, I think. And I have a video lineup that we're going to go through. I think each of his pitches and then two, I think there's two curveballs in here. Um, there's something I noticed when I was kind of looking through, uh, his recent starts just to kind of see what he's been doing, see if there's anything odd. Um, I think there is something odd. We'll see, um, interested to see if you pick it up. So this is straight behind camera angle. Um, so that was fastball, get me over curveball for a strike. This one's going to be a curveball swing in the dirt. I don't know who, um, that hitter was, but, uh, he lasted three pitches, uh, that was the cutter is what it's called in Statcast 84. And then there's that power change. Trevor story fought, fought it off. The thing I noticed, does any, the, the crossover step, he gets way over mm. to the third base side. And it, the first guy I thought of, and it's because I watched him. I was looking at his position on the mound for some reason. Was, yeah. um, was Jake Arietta? You know, when, oh, yeah. when he was, when he was really good in 2015, he was getting way over. He was still, still, you know, I think he's gotten further and further over as he's gone, but he was pretty far over there throwing hard. It just, it may, it, it adds some level of deception to where now your breaking balls are coming from here and going yeah. away. You know, it, they're not, it also, it's not contributing necessarily to more break, but it looks like the ball from right to left might be moving more. Well, um, here's an interesting thing about that. So I was talking to Madison Bumgarner, um, about how if you throw, and this was like the last time Madison Bumgarner talked to me, so like this isn't like a big boy thing. He hates me, and I, I don't know why. But anyway, the last time I talked to Madison Bumgarner, we were talking about how if you uh, 
if you throw a breaking ball uh, to your arm side, it has different – the same pitcher, same breaking ball, has different movement to your arm side than it does to your glove side. Anybody who's, like, throwing a ball is like, oh, yeah, I get that. But, you know, it has something to do with, like, where you're releasing the ball, right? And yeah. it also has something to do with where your foot is uh, because um, you basically are always usually landing in the same place. I was talking to Madison Bumgarner about that, and he's like, yeah, sometimes when I want more depth, I land in a different spot. So Bumgarner yeah. will actually will just land further and become more crossover in order to get more movement. Uh, even like if he's trying to throw inside to a lefty or something um, or outside to a righty, he can, he can put his foot further over and get it. It'll, it'll act like a big breaking ball that's going to their back foot, but it'll go to the outside. And he's doing that with his foot, with his landing spot. And a lot of pitchers will say, I've even talked to other pitchers who are like, yo, I can't mess with that. Like what? I'm going to put my foot in a different place. No way. But yeah. um, it, it, when I'm watching gallon, I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know that he's necessarily alternating it, but if he did change that, that would definitely give you more movement uh, to the outside corner for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and if I, you got a power change that you can throw the power change right on, right. Right. So you yeah. can throw, you could, if you get more movement to the outside on righties and then throw the power change in on their knees, uh, then you've got a plan. Yeah. And I think with him, uh, so I, I just pulled, you know, looking at StatCast and how far his, uh, at least across pitches, he doesn't vary it a lot. So he averages in all his pitches like three feet and uh, like point. two inches. Um, the range, depending on what pitch he's throwing, I think is four seamers the most. Year to year Last year it was the same. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a video of him back in the minors uh, that I pulled off of YouTube. Um this is a couple of seconds, but you'll see the same thing uh, back then. I, I think there's three pitches in this video, and you'll see the same crossover step. I don't know. It, I mean, it looks pretty exaggerated there, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that – so something he's been doing for a little while. This is from uh, when he was, I think, with New Orleans. So back uh, – I think it was 2018. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember uh, the date. Yeah, he does. He does that. But, you know, last year he was, he was there. If you uh, – last year there were 320 starters, I think, that threw, um, you know, just 250 pitches, so really low bar. Um, but he was the 10th furthest toward third. So, obviously, you know, lefties aren't going to be towards third. Um, but then this year, you know, counting lefties and just taking, like, the distance from uh, distance from center. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's uh he's got the seventh biggest deviation from center, and it's guys um, Max Scherzer's on that list, Jake Arrieta's on that list, and um, there are a handful of others. Uh, but it, it's one way that you know maybe if with for you you see this, it sounds like the stuff rates well. But if a guy wants to add something a little bit to it, like you said with Madison Bumgarner moving, yeah. uh, you know we see pitchers move on the rubber. Um, this is something that you know we've seen has worked for guys. Um, I think Jake Arietta kind of what led to his breakout a little bit was getting more and more to the side. Uh, he was, a, he was a lot more straightforward back when he was with Baltimore before uh, he was with Chicago. And, you know, it, it works for some guys. It's not going to work for others. It's a weird body motion. I don't know if there's anything, you know, you can say about whether it's good or not for your arm to, to be throwing like that. But, you know, for, for Zach Gallon, obviously um, it's working. Well, one last thing I would say, too, is that um, by command plus, at least, uh, he has good command. 
And I think that was even when people were maybe denigrating him um, as a prospect, they would have said he has good command. You know, like they would have just said his command is better than stuff. They would have said stuff like that, I think. And yeah. uh, one thing that I've been finding, uh, I did a piece on, on like trying to uh, find uh, what's more important, commander stuff. And like stuff is more important for results. And I think that's something we've seen in the league. That's something why everyone cares about velocity. We're seeing these people trying to shape pitches, make sense. Um, however, there was a, uh, a shelf uh, of which like if you had command below that, you wouldn't be a starter basically. And that shelf yeah. was 10, 10% worse than league average. And when I look at somebody like Genesis Cabrera, you look at the number of pitches he has and you say, oh, he could be a starter. He started in the past. He has four pitches. Like, he throws them still. Like, they look pretty interesting. He has good stuff. He has an 86 command plus. I don't want to say that he'll never make it as a starter. Um, but if you – when you that, yeah, I saw that question. When you when I say that, I see command. And when, I, when I've been looking, um, a lot of the players that have, out, have outdone their stuff uh, or have out – earned their station or sort of done better, outperformed their expectations. Command is the answer. And that's the only thing that I worry about when I look at Hudson, Ponce, and Gomber is like, what's what's missing? Command. I mean, you could say out pitches, you could say stuff, you could argue here or there, but like the thing that three both all three don't have is command. Yeah. It, it's so, kind of strange because I feel like they were all pretty at least billed as pretty polished arms, um, you know, pretty low at pretty low levels in the minors. But um, usually when I, mean, I think polished, I think command, but that might just be, you know, knowing how to pitch with what you have too. There is, there's always a relationship between command and stuff too. Like, like you said, with the 19 pitch at bat, like if Ponce doesn't have an out pitch, then how's he going to go in the zone? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. you know, like you still have to have an ability to get in the zone um, and, and you have to have some out pitches and like, I'm not saying that the Cardinals are just not out on command, but I will say that there are teams that have decided that command is more important than stuff and that they can teach stuff. The Mariners and the Indians are among the teams that have decided that command is more important than stuff because we can shape your pitches. We can give you two miles per hour in gas camp. We can go send you to weighted ball camp. You know, we will get you, you know, we'll take LeJay Newsom who has nothing going for him other than like elite command and a rising fastball coming from the Luke Weaver release point. You know, we're just going to do, we're going to take this short dude. We're going to shape all his pitches. Um, and he's got great command. So he's going to do better than people think we're going to yeah. go get Marco Gonzalez who has one out pitch and tons of command. And, and the Cardinals are going to say, ah, we don't care about Marco Gonzalez. He's just a dude. And then we're going to go turn him into like, a real pitcher, like a, a real sort of top 30 type pitcher, you know, like, do you, do you think, like, do you agree with that assessment? 30, yeah. 50, something like that. Yeah. He's um, I'm pulling it up now. I don't know. I mean, he gets there in kind of a boring way, I would say. <laughs> uh, yes, but, <laughs> I mean, it, but again, it's, that's part of, like you said, being a command guy over a stuff guy is it is going to be a little boring. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably fair. I, I'd have to look a little more, but he, you know, he's been over three WAR two straight years. Um, this year he's at one and a half, one point five and fifty innings. So you know, we're still waiting on the Tyler O'Neill breakout. It's coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's gonna. It's you know, it's uh, the are we there yet? Sort of. Are yeah, we there right. yet? <laughs> um, good question here, Alec Mitchell. So 
uh, my opinion on what Devin Williams throws, um, calling it a change in the comment. I don't want that to skew what we think it is. Um, do you, if you're, if we're talking pitch classification and it's such a tough, such a tough subject. Cause you know, like we said, we have guys that throw multiple breakers with Zach Gallon. We saw an 84 mile an hour cutter, um, is what they, what stack has classifies that as, um, yeah, exactly. So pitch classification is weird. Um, ben Clemens uh, yeah. over at Fangraphs, he just said, yeah. you know, we just need to go to fastball, breaking ball, off speed. And if he throws a hard breaker, you call one hard and one soft. Uh, I don't hate it, but um, it is, I think the names can usually give us an idea, a little bit of shape. Um, but going back to Devin Williams. Also have like Hudson has call... three breakers or four breakers. Like yeah. one point Max Scherzer was throwing four breakers. Well, and then we have Giovanni Gallegos who throws one that, sometimes breaks left and one that backs up uh, at the same speed, pretty much. <laughs> Is that on purpose? Uh, I don't know. I look, okay. I, it, I had a, <laughs> I had I've a, seen it. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I um, never know if it's on purpose. Yeah. It's tough to tell. Then when, usually when I try to figure that out, I'll show, I'll throw out like the movement, I use the free version of Tableau for this. I throw out the horizontal movement, the vertical movement. Versus and like then, lefties and versus righties or something? Or uh, He seems to, at least the, I, it doesn't seem to be a handedness thing. Uh-huh. Um, the ones that back up, it seems like he almost overcooks it a little bit, but the velocity difference isn't a whole lot. Uh, and then like it all clusters around kind of like a gyro. He's a, uh, it's a gyro, yeah, yeah. So I think it might just be a gyro that isn't uh, sometimes goes the other gyro way. with a pretty big deviation on what's happening. Um, but so for Devin Williams, what do you call that thing that he throws? Yeah, uh, so it is really interesting because um, you know from what I've learned I- inside the industry, and I haven't, I- I've only seen sort of glimpses of this outside the industry. Um, when Harry Plavlidis did his research on what makes a changeup good, he said that you basically have two ways to do it, and you have the power change and you have the straight change. He didn't say that you had to choose, um, but what I've heard from inside the industry is that you kind of have to choose. You either have to have um, a big uh, a velocity gap and make it a straight change. So John Means, uh, uh, Gio, um, not uh, uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, Marco Estrada, that's the straight change. Um, or you have to have a str- uh, you have to have big movement profile and be Granky, um, Gallon. Uh, there's other guys, uh, and then you don't Ryan really want to do both. The Cardinals is a hard one, huh? Ryan Helsley on the Helsley. Cardinals. Okay, there you go. We got a power change. That's I was seeing that. Um, but um, you don't want to you don't want to do both <laughs> normally. And um, so I I have a uh, let me see if I have this open. I have a thing here. Um, uh, change-ups. Here we go. So if, if you look at guys that have uh, a, a large velocity differential and a large vertical differential, the list is not actually super sweet. So Devin Williams has a 12-mile-an-hour velocity gap and an 11-mile vertical differential. He's on that list. But here are the other names on that list. Michael Givens, um, Edison Volquez, okay. Edison Volquez, Joey Lucchese, who is not good. Uh, Sam Coonrod, uh, Jordan Weems, uh, like it's like uh, who's, Minter, who Trevor Rogers is, is about the closest you can get to good. So what I did was I put a third column on there and I put change up command plus on there. 
and Devin Williams and, and Taylor Trevor Rogers actually uh, is is on there too. But Devin Williams and Trevor Rogers are the only two people in baseball that throw a pitch that has more than a ten mile hour velocity differential, more than a ten uh, 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 more than an eight uh, uh, inch vertical differential off their fastball, and over a hundred command plus. And I think the problem, and I everyone knows that I fell in love with Cotton, Jarrell Cotton, once upon a time, and he he throws. Uh, a pitch that has a great uh, velocity differential, great movement profile, and you're like, oh, this changeup is going to be great. He couldn't command the shit pitch to save his life. And so what happens is everyone just spat on the pitch because I think you can see the movement or you can see the vertical. Like, it's just easier to see because it just moves a lot and it has this big velocity gap, right? You want a straight change to look like the fastball as long as possible. It's like a tunneling thing. Yeah. So anyway, Cotton threw a screwball, basically. So that's what that's what I was gonna ask, and um, just to and Devin Williams has looked like a screwball, but he can command it. When you think of a a changeup, a lot of times like you're getting the movement because you're using fingers that aren't normally the ones that are putting pressure on the ball to make it spin. Uh, Trevor Rogers, his changeup only gets uh, about fourteen hundred fifty RPM on the fifty that he's thrown this year. Which honestly, the changes I've seen, that's not like that that's not even necessarily low. That's just kind of you know normal course, I think, for changeups, at least within you know, kind of a normal range. It's definitely not an outlier. Devin Williams is twice that. So he gets twenty eight hundred RPM. If that's not a screwball, then why why do we have the like, he must have like super low spin efficiency, or put like a impart a certain type of direction of spin that just really, yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I though. think that's where I'm getting with that. Is for for me, that's a screwball. I, well, I think you can the, call uh, Karinchik's curveball almost. Ah, now, he's gonna go to Karinchak. So the thing about he just gets so far over the top is, that he yes, Karinchak is throwing a curveball from so far over the top. That it's normal curveball mechanics, but it's so far over the top that it gets fade. And I actually wrote a piece called "Let's Invent a Pitch." Let's invent a pitch for Fangrass. It's my favorite piece I've ever written. And what I found was that basically a reverse curveball was the the pitch that's thrown the least in baseball. Basically, the screwball. And um, I I went to driveline and Trevor Bauer threw it for me. And he basically said, all you got to do is be extremely over the top and kind of bend your back a little bit. And then you almost release it from where an over the top lefty would be. (laughs) Because you're so upright and you bend a little, you basically release it from where a lefty would do it. And you just throw a curveball and it has fade. So that is a reverse curveball. When I think of uh, a screwball, I think of uh, Dallas Braden, who showed me his mechanics and uh, Brent Honeywell, who also showed me, and you do this. It's extreme pronation. Yeah. And it's and you basically pull down the window shades, and you do it so hard. I think Cotton did the same thing. You would do it so hard that you're just basically, you're just like pulling the ball down. Uh, I think that's terrible for your shoulder, and uh, I think it's it's got bad outcomes. I, I need to watch more Devin Williams. I don't know if he's doing this necessarily. Um, is his release point super high? I, 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 when I watch him, I always get just get engrossed by the movement. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. I can't believe he can command it. It's almost like the paddock change where he throws front door changeups. Um, like I just love the pitch and, uh, I don't know exactly how he gets the movement. So I, I wish I was in the clubhouse right now, man. Devin Williams would be like number one on my list. I would be, I would definitely be talking to him. 
I here I'm not sure how this is going to work, but uh, pitching ninja Rob Friedman uh, had a is can we see this? Yeah, we can kind of see it. So let's see if we. Well, can so it's this. not over the it's not an over the top release point. Nope, it's he he's getting that extreme look the flip at the end. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a screwball. He, it's yeah, a he, side, he it's like a sidearm screwball, dude. Yep. It's a sidearm screwball. Look at him pull down the window shade. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, and I, I mean he's doing it like he's doing it so hard that he's almost falling off. Um, that's crazy. I mean, he's going over there so hard. Again, in order to get on that side of the ball, you get like I mean it's a, I think it's born from the same idea. In order to get that spin as a righty. You gotta get way over somehow. For him, it's by <laughs> yeah. dropping it down a little bit and flipping it over the top. Yeah, um, yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's it's uh, I it's wild. Um, I would. I will see how long it works. I I kind of wonder how much of. You think um, Braden said his shoulder? His shoulder. Yeah. Went. You, Braden said J- James Andrews looked at his shoulder and was like, "What?" He, he like literally said that uh, that James Andrews said it was like the worst shoulder he'd ever seen. Well, hopefully <laughs> I guess for him it stays together long enough to Yeah, right. Uh, to make it through. But yeah, it's uh I, I kinda wonder how much pitches like that and Krinchik's curveball, like how much of that is just guys have never seen a ball come in like that. Um but you know they're not gonna see a lot of them come in so it's gonna last as long as their arm lasts, I think. Josh Fomenter was in my piece and he and he uh he threw that reverse curveball from very over the top. He they try to make it as a starter, and he and he had more innings on him. So I wonder if Krinchak just works because it's fewer innings, and he's not yeah. trying to he's not trying to do it for five innings at a time. So I don't know. Could be. Um, yeah, I saw people were saying that uh, Colmeter should have been um, Devin Williams. Uh, yeah, or Krinchak. Sorry, uh, on MLB the Show, they should have gave him that delivery. Um, I think they had like some generic, normal, like whatever o'clock this. Where's my hand? Um, whatever o'clock like this is, uh, delivery. And uh, I, I played the show for two weeks and I had to give up. Um, Cole Mentor was like a year. Yeah, that there. You know, I, I think that would have been more a better representation, obviously, than what they had before. Um, <laughs> they did change it, but I don't think they changed it enough uh, from what I saw. Last couple of topics, I think. Um, I think these are both a little bit um, – we can make them quicker hits. Uh, we mentioned back uh, early on in the conversation, we talked about a little bit, we at least referenced max exit velocity. Um, so when I'm looking at players this year, and I think you know a lot of what we do um, and for this, I just do this for fun. I'm probably the weird one. Most people do this type of analysis for fantasy, for fantasy purposes. <laughs> you're, trying, you're trying to find um, – you know, you're trying, you're trying to find guys who are undervalued who are going to break out that are going to bring you to, you know, your fantasy championships. I play fantasy football. I can't do fantasy baseball um, too many games. But uh, when we're trying to find things that in a short season stick, max exit velocity uh, is kind of one of the things that we talk about you can look to early on because if a guy hits a ball 115 miles per hour, we know that they have some baseline of talent to be able to hit the ball 115 miles an hour. Like not everybody can do that. Um, but what I'm curious about is, you know, at what point, so Dylan Carlson has 50, 51 batted balls this year. 
Uh, on Fangraphs, the board, they added in max exit velocity. And before the season, they had his max exit velocity at 108. I don't know where they get that, but that's what they had. Uh, through those 51 batted balls, they, they were dead on. So he has 108 from the right side and 107 from the left side. Both of them, ironically, were outs. Um, but, you know, over 50 batted balls, his max, we can say, from either side of the plate, through those 50 is 108. But I think what I wonder is, are we confident? Like, how are we confident that like that's the hardest he can hit a ball? What if the fifty-fifth ball he hits is the one that he truly squares up? Yeah, I actually struggle with that because Rob Arthur came out with this piece that's really good that says that basically for every ball that you hit over, I think it was like one hundred eight or one one eleven. I forget what it was, but like the for every ball you hit over a certain threshold, your OPS projections have to change. It was 108. 108. So there you go. Like he's he's he hasn't done it yet. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't say that like it's a negative if you haven't done it yet. You know what I mean? It's like when do we like for example, Gregory Polanco, and and I'm stealing from my five fantasy pickups forever. Gregory Polanco, I think this year has a, a higher max exit below than he's ever had in his career. What? <laughs> like yeah. what? Like what? What? Like how many balls do we have to wait for until we see the max? You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, like Rowdy Telez, you know, had a limited amount of bad balls before this year, had a, an excellent max exit below, and that presaged what we got. So um, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely, uh, there's, we don't know how long it takes to you know. I would say that I, I, I basically try not to count as a negative max exit velocity. I try to count it as a positive, and I try to only think of it um, for guys like Dylan Carlson. So it's a little bit upsetting that he hasn't hasn't done better in that regard. Um, yeah. But I don't necessarily look at it as much for veterans um, because I think of it as max pitch velocity. I think of it actually as a scouting tool, and I think of it more as something that describes – um, a player's upside and describes maybe the shape of their production in the future. So like, if you tell me like in the first round of the draft, basically in the baseball draft, you, you have, um, you have to hit 97 to get drafted in the first two or three rounds. Like you just have to, these, you have to have hit 97. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you sit. It doesn't matter what you sit. You have yeah. had to have hit 97 before. So I, I, that's how I feel about max exit velocities. It sort of gives me an idea of like who you can be. Um, but when I'm talking about like in right now, um, I look at like I, I try to look at barrel rate, uh, hard hit rate, and uh, I've got this thing that uh, I've got that I that, uh, I got for Perpetua actually um, that uh, colloquially called Nitro, and um, Basically, like a softer hard hit rate. It's basically a more inclusive hard hit rate. And the reason I think about this is like think about swing rate and reach rate, right? I like looking at swing rate and reach rate. However, swing rate is more becomes stable faster and is uh, a more indicative of uh, becomes meaningful faster, right? Because if you think about swing rate, it's every swing, every pitch is the denominator. Your swing it swings over pitches. When you start talking about reach rate, it swings over pitches outside the zone. That means you have to see twice as many pitches for it to be useful, right? Because you have to see all those pitches outside the zone. You're screwing with the denominator. So when I see um, when I see uh, barrel rate, I'm like, yeah, I like barrel rate, but it's like 
how many balls did you hit in this little place of 95 and over here and do like this? Like the little clamshell. How many balls did you put in there? I'm, saying, I'm like you're screwing with the denominator. So one of the things that I like to do is do something that's really simple. Balls between 0, 30 degrees that are hit over 90 miles an hour. That's it. Yeah. And the good players hit more than 35 40%. The bad players do not. And it has a really big denominator. Um, and it gets at hitting it in the right angles and at the right velocities. So, you know, I, I call that nitro. Uh, two players that are doing really good on nitro right now are Gregory Polanco uh, and Matt Chapman. Chapman is like basic second nitro right now. And uh, his results don't don't show it yet. So those are those are kind of like guys that I think will do much better going forward. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny you mentioned that range and that velocity. So uh, there was a guy, he was around on Twitter, and then he got picked up eventually by a team. He was, I think, out of Australia. Um, his Twitter name was, uh, is it 216 stitches? I forget how many are in a ball. Oh, um, yeah. but it was that guy. I did a project with him uh, back. I was traveling for work. In, I was in Cleveland, so I had plenty of free time after work ended. Um, <laughs> nice dig. <laughs> plenty of free time. Yeah, when I my my two big uh, travel uh, spots for work were Cleveland and Milwaukee, and I live in Chicago, so neither are even far, and they have uh, the same weather. Um, but we we did something then, and I I, I did it all in Excel, which because I'm not good enough in other things. Um, but we we looked at we were trying to like kind of quantify with Statcast, um, like the scouting grade, like what was you know like a what was a 50 hit tool? Like, what did that even mean? And never, tool is impossible, man. I've, you know, I've, I've we, tried that we, too. Yeah. We were playing around with the hit tool there. We, I think there was at one point a plate discipline component. Um, nice. you know, I forget exactly what it was. Um, I can't open opening up the file. So it was on this laptop actually that I'm using, uh, this laptop, the battery now uh, dies after an hour. If it's not plugged in, uh, nice. it was pretty much that, that project and one with, uh, Joe STL cup of Joe, uh, cooked this thing. Um, but there, you know, we, when we were looking at that, when you made contact, the range we looked at was zero to 30, um, and 90 miles an hour. We, we played around a little bit with that, with the miles per hour threshold and then upset them at 90. So I guess good to hear that I, uh, we were on a good track and, um, I know, you know, that research has paid off for him a little bit, uh, for me, obviously I'm here, <laughs> which is fine. Um, I love doing this as a hobby. I don't know that I would love to do it all the time. And at this point, uh, learning to code is the big, uh, the big obstacle yeah, for me. That's why, that's why, for sure. That's why I write. Um, that's why yeah, I write. exactly. You know, I, I, I write about the Cardinals. I watch the Cardinals. It's like, eh, this is, uh, this isn't so bad. Uh, I'll leave the, the hard, the hard math coding stuff to, to people that are smarter than me. Um, one question before that came up before we get into, um, and I think you already hit on two of your two your five guys. But if you could invest in any Cardinals arm long term besides Flaherty, so we take away the only obvious one, um, who you got? I uh, I would like to start, but I don't even I don't know what I even have on uh, guys that I'm like sold on for. Uh, well, you might be surprised by the. But uh, Daniel Ponce, I uh, know uh, Dakota Hudson, the one on six fan plus. Wow. Uh, and uh, if that's true, 
I I don't have uh, I have to open up some old things to to find his old ones and see what his year to year is. But if that's true, I'm going to take the sinker, 60% ground ball rate, two breaking balls. I think he can at least be okay for a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the – I mean, that's definitely – he's already in the majors, so he's cleared that benchmark. Um, Can I tell you guys a secret? It won't be a secret for very long. Uh, I don't yeah. think – I think Genesis Guerrero is a year older than it says in this card. What's uh? I had that on pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, sourcing. Bird in the ear telling you that one. Mm-hmm. That matters too much. Matters a little bit considering where he is in his yeah. in his career. Yeah. How old does it? I'm pulling him up now. How old does this card say? I don't even have. 23 or almost 24 so you're thinking almost 25 right yeah. because he should have been he should have been starting games by now yeah if he was yeah if he was ever gonna start um but it uh it and, and, and this is the has, perfect season for, for him to do it too right they should they would have used him and it, uh, he thinks that the 15 uh it's also his command is 15 percent uh worse than league average Cabrera so like um, it's just not, he's not going to be able to command it, I think. So, <laughs> Cardinals gifts. Carlos <laughs> Martinez. Uh, gotta, we love Carlos Martinez here. We, uh, <laughs> I, I won't take oh, that. Man, I think stuff is great. It, he, he got it up. I think he averaged like 94 8 last time out. Like, I don't, I yeah, wouldn't take him long term. He was up over. He was up over 96 finally. Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, I think they need to start him, and he'll be part of the solution this year, I think. So, if he's going to be over 94, then it's going to be way better. But I would not take him long term. Yeah, so I, I, I finally pulled up. I went through the fan graphs of your board. I didn't find anybody I liked. So I pulled up Kyle, Kyle Reese's Dirty 35, um, and this is a cop-out because I'm just – giving my answer basically to Kyle. I'm going with uh, Matthew Libertor um, oh, because Libertor. he is the top ranked pitcher on the prospect list. And you're I don't you're have... taking next. <laughs> yeah, we're running we're we're other than what we're I'm watching. We're really long, really long term. Uh, I just <laughs> – I don't love else. the guys. I don't – outside of Jack, I don't love what they have. Um, I mean, obviously you can't go with Wainwright. I didn't love the Miles Michaelis extension. I loved a lot less – um, now that he's um, not now that he's hurt, uh, some med data on Libertor stuff. That's fine. Kyle thinks he's number three. I'm. I, th- this is on Kyle. If I miss, um, <laughs> anyway, I want that to be the record on Kyle when I miss. Um, if I'm right, then, I, then yeah, he can have the credit too for right. I, I don't know my. I don't know my prospects. Um, all right, so with that, if you have, we can give you quick hits. We'll just go right through them. You don't need to give a ton about why, uh, you know, you can give, I guess, whatever you want to give um, on why uh, why they're on this list. But five sleepers to watch for the fantasy playoffs. So I think we already got Gregory Polanco you borrowed from this list. Who are the other four for the guys or for the people watching? Well, um, and, I, and I gave I gave Chapman. Um the, the, the three or four pitchers I wanted to highlight were just um, – I believe in Barrios. I know some guys think he's just a dude. 
but in terms of uh, command and stuff, he still rates really highly, and his strength of schedule is off the charts. I'm doing some rankings that are going to uh, debut tomorrow where I actually went through and used um, uh, park factors and projected run scoring to kind of give a strength of schedule, and he's got one of the best in baseball. Uh, Chris Bassett also has a great one, and I don't think that he's necessarily an amazing pitcher, but with that park and with the strength of schedule um, and uh, just with what he's doing with the cutter and the curve, uh, like I believe in him short term. Um, and uh, then like my lower names, the, the lower owned names that I really like are Tajay Antone and uh, Tyler Molly uh, on the Reds. They have a bad uh, schedule, you know, but because they have like six starting pitchers and may play with it, um, I would just go one by one. They do have the Cardinals on the schedule soon, and uh, that's a cakewalk. <laughs> I was I was gonna say what it, you're saying. Jose Barrios is just a guy. We just made him. We made him look like old Jose Barrios a couple of you days made ago. Him pretty good. <laughs> uh, uh, it, I wanted to highlight today Antone and Tyler Molly really quickly because. Uh, like the Reds went all in and basically became drive line East. Uh, they got Kyle Bodie. Uh, they got, uh, uh, um, uh, Derek Johnson. Uh, they got, uh, a bunch of, uh, of other, uh, um, guys from driveline. It's not, it's not just Kyle. And I think they're going to start turning out guys like Anton and Molly better, um, in the future. And, um, if that happens, I think it'll be it, it'll be rough on the Cardinals because uh, eventually the Reds will have an offense because uh, their park always helps them along in that regard. Um, I was gonna say, how about how about that? We're uh, we're looking at the Reds honestly the last couple of years as a team that's better on the mound than at the plate. That is not something I that would be. Ever, that, it would also be scary, I think, long term because the when what, is, the park that you have. Um, I think like there was some evidence that Bill Petty did about the relationship of Mark to your long-term outcomes as an organization. And I think that's why you've seen a lot of uh, different organizations try to pull in their, uh, try to homogenize their parks. You've seen the uh, Mets, the Padres, the Mariners, the uh, Giants. The, the list is long of, of teams that were pitching friendly that have brought the walls in. And I think it's because um, if you're trying to develop a hitter as a as a Cardinals team, um, what happens when they come up and you know the walls a million miles away and they can't get over it, you know, and they and they just don't ever develop that confidence uh, to 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 be a power hitter, right? And what happens if you're uh, the Rockies and you can never ever sign a pitcher, you know, or at least a starting pitcher will never sign with you. Um, so I think all teams are kind of trending towards homogenous parks. Uh, but if you look at just within or within the division of the Cardinals and the Reds, it's going to be more likely the Reds turn out uh, hitter, I think. And this is I'm going on a little bit of a limb here, but it, there's some research backing it. It's going to be a little bit more likely that the Reds turn out hitters and the Cardinals turn out pitchers. Um, and if the Reds suddenly become good at turning out pitchers, that that's a little bit dangerous. One thing I liked about the part the park stuff is. Uh, I, the Greenville Drive. So this is a random park that I've been to. Uh, I think they're at the time I was there, they were like a single A, maybe affiliate of Boston. They had uh, their field was a replica of Fenway, and then the Indianapolis Indians 
home field is a replica of PNC. So you're trying to get, like you said, get guys used to playing in the field yeah. um, that they're going to find themselves in most often uh, once they are up at the show. Um, I remember built. Austin Meadows was a big deal uh, on the Indianapolis Indians when I was there. I don't right. remember what he did. and I didn't know who he was before I was there, but there was a lot of promo about how he was about to get called up. Um, the the brewer built a pitching lab in Maryvale in Arizona, and next to the pitching lab, they built an, a replica of uh, of their home park that's exactly the same dimensions. Obviously, the ball will travel a little bit differently in Arizona, but at least it's the exact same dimensions they get used to it. Yeah, I think it, it goes – it goes somewhere. I mean, whether it's, you know, learning how to hit with different dimensions, I think for Austin Meadows, they were trying to move him around the outfield. You know, what, you know, how do you just get him used to dealing with, with the way that the Pittsburgh outfield kind of zigs mm-hmm. around. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I, the Cardinals have a pretty generic field, but it is tough to hit in. Um, they obviously uh, have had some guys that didn't hit so well in St. Louis left and have done pretty well. Um, maybe that's something long term. Maybe look it's at. related uh, to WRC plus. You know, Park Factor is not quite capturing yeah. some of that. Well, well uh, we're looking out for your version. Your uh, Statcast WRC plus. Yes. Well, whenever uh, I know, there's a ton to refine on that, but maybe. That should exist. Maybe someday. Um, yeah, so I think from there, uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, guys, I, I hope if you're watching me, you know where to find Eno. But if you don't, Eno Saris on Twitter. Um, he's over at The Athletic, MLB, uh, Rates and Barrels. Uh, if you need a podcast to listen to, uh, I went through um, probably five episodes yesterday, at least um, pieces of each of five. And, you know, I – I struggle to regularly listen to podcasts, but it's one it, it's right up there with, for me with effectively wild um, over uh, the legacy drafts uh, podcast. So again, appreciate the the time you coming on talking a lot of Cardinals, talking a lot of ex Cardinals. Um, you've probably got your fill of mediocre, <laughs> mediocre players um, and teams for a little while, but um, <laughs> it's great to, great to have you. They're in it. They're in it. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me at E-N-O-S-A-R-R-S at uh, Twitter. Uh, ranked coming out tomorrow, working on a uh, on a couple fun things long-term. So uh, thanks thanks for having me again. I would say most importantly, especially in California, uh, stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks, you know. It hits you like a shotgun, shot to the heart. You